Abby and I are talking about uh, me going to my high school reunion. Yeah, <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back to Mississippi, which uh, I thought was a really great idea, honestly. Honestly, we're driving on the 405. She's taking me to LAX. LAX. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Only it's the opposite because I will be getting off of the plane in the south. Why? You're leaving me. I'm kind of upset about it. I haven't told you this. <laughs> <laughs> so Abby is my intern. Uh, she's from North Carolina. And uh, we've just been talking about how um, awkward it's going to be to see people I haven't seen. Some of them in like 15 years. Yeah. You know, the guys who are the awkward nugs are gonna be powerhouses and <laughs> by the way nug to her is a nugget uh it sounds like it's a horrible word but it's not it's not it's not it's like an endearing term right i guess yeah. <laughs> i feel like you hear these like um what are they called romantic comedy movies and uh like the school nerd turns into the hottie sweet home alabama yeah, Sweet Home Alabama style. I don't think that's going to happen for me. I'm telling you, your prince is going to come in. We said this yesterday with his Justin boots, and he's going to have his <laughs> Wait, shirt. what are Justin boots? You're from Mississippi. Oh, <laughs> like the boot barn Justin yes, boots. Okay. boot barn, and he's going to have his shirt tucked in with his Levi's, <laughs> and it's going to be good, and he's just going to tilt his hat, and you're going to fall in love with him. I think it's going to be one of those experiences that like definitely takes you out but it might swirl you out for a little bit but I think that like if anything this is going to make you more secure in who you are and like facing that the choices I made yeah okay I guess I'll go I mean the other option is too I could just go to Mississippi and not go to my high school reunion will she go or will she stay? <laughs> should I stay or should, should I, I go? go? Give me this. You're the worst. Uh. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm in the midst of a 52-week challenge to try to get rid of Sonderlust and find happiness in my own life. As part of that, I've decided to take on challenges from people in my life. So when I got the invitation to my 20-year high school reunion, my friends challenged me to go. They shared with me that they thought maybe finding happiness in my future would mean that I would need to find some peace and happiness with my past. High school for me was a long time ago, 20 years to be exact, 20 years and three states, college and grad school, and finally a career. I'm not sure if you asked any people from high school if they thought I would be a pastor. I don't think any of them would say yes. It's not that I was particularly rebellious or that there was anything about me that excluded me from ministry. It's just not where I thought my life was headed at that time. High school for me wasn't bad. It was kind of great. But none of my friends wanted to go to the reunion. None of my close friends from high school anyway. For them, high school was a bad experience or one that they didn't want to revisit. So I got brave, bought a plane ticket since I already had a speaking engagement coming up, and I headed to Southern Mississippi. <laughs> it's a place I only get to go to once a year at Christmas time usually. I don't often get a chance to come home. My parents are British and Canadian, but have lived in Mississippi now since 1994, 24 years. 
It's a place that I love dearly and yet don't feel like I fit in at all. When I decided to come to my high school reunion, I realized that there might be something for my future that comes from my past. I think a lot of my friends thought it would be some sort of sweet home Alabama experience. I'm excited to share with you that the reunion went really well, like really well. I loved being around those people. I loved hearing their stories. I love hearing how uh, we've been able to keep connected through Facebook. I kind of stacked the deck, however. I brought my friend's little brother, who happens to be a close friend of mine, and he was my date for the evening, and that made it even more fun. The band that came on after our uh, high school reunion were incredible, and so I got to dance the night away. As the night continued, I realized that it was a space where I didn't have to be Pastor Sarah, that I was Sarah, Sarah from high school, Sarah that had to tell people what I was doing and all the different adventures that I've had and get to hear their stories too. It was a very humanizing experience. I also realized hanging out with people from Mississippi is a great perspective and a different one that I have all the time. There is something true to be said about chivalry of the self, and there's something to be said about time being a great leveler. You see, there wasn't a great difference between those that had been really popular in high school and those that weren't so popular. When I look back on my high school years, I wouldn't say that I was popular or that I wasn't popular. I kind of just hung out with everyone. Part of that was that I had a high school boyfriend that lasted three and a half years. So we were always together. We played sports together. We did everything together. And so for me, that was my social circle and all of our friends were shared. It was a good experience. I don't really regret high school but I also don't think about it much. It was nice for an evening to be back in a space and a place where I could just be me. And even if I'm in the process of still trying to redefine and figure out who that me is, it was just a really nice place to be in. Originally, I was gonna bring my microphone in because I thought it'd be fun to get all the sound recordings, but then my friend took my phone away. I didn't even really take that many photos. And for the first time in a long time, I was just present present to everyone around me, present to their stories, present to where they were at. And it was an incredible experience. I wanted to share a little bit about the perspective that I get when I'm back here in the South. I have a dear friend who's really good friends with my parents, actually. In some ways, he's become my mentor, but we're friends. He is a Southwest pilot, so every now and then he comes by my neck of the woods and we always go and grab a meal or a drink and we talk about life. If I'm honest, Brian Ford is probably one of the wisest people in my life. And so when we went out for tea this morning, once again, he spoke some wisdom into my life. And so I asked him to come back to my parents' house and share a little bit of that wisdom with you. I also want to share with you a little bit from my parents about for them, what it's like for me to come back and what wisdom they have for going backwards. Every time I come home to Mississippi, I um, meet up with one of my friends, and it's kind of fun because he's not just my friend, he's my parents' friend. So I guess you're like a friend. Are we talking now? We're talking right now. Oh, okay. We're like a friend and a mentor and someone who has journeyed in life with me for a while. How long have we known each other? 2014, I think. Okay. Well, in person, knowing you. I knew of you and read you, perhaps, two, yeah, 2014, I think. Because you're kind of an incessant reader. You read all the time. Is that good or bad? That's great. 
then yes, I do. I read all the time. You do read all the time because you're always giving me great quotes. Um, it's been suggested to be to me by my wife that I should read a novel every so often, though, just to kind of balance out the deeper stuff that I tend to fall into. Right. So what kind of stuff do you like to read? Well, as an example, I'm balancing reading Perennial Wisdom for the Spiritually Independent by Rami Shapiro with a small little book by Epictetus, a Stoic philosopher, and 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. So, so just some of, light reading. Yeah, right? really, just real really light. light. It's, um, you know, over a bowl of cereal in the morning kind of reading. Right. Yeah. So the thing about Brian is we always meet up and I will tell him about where I'm at in life and he tells me where he's at in life. He's a pilot for Southwest, so I get to see him more often than I get to see a lot of people from my hometown area. And you always have such wisdom for me because you are such a, a reader and really interested in like philosophy and theology and life. And so this morning when we had our usual meetup at, there's this place called T-Bone Records, which is a record shop, only in Mississippi could you have a record shop, coffee shop. It's the most hipster thing ever. If it was in LA, it would be like packed all the time. Here it's pretty packed. Like the college students are always there. Your daughter pretty much lives there. I think she must get some sort of a royalty from them. Yeah, I actually have had a friend who was looking for her and just went to T-Bone, didn't even call her cell phone, just went to look for her. Really, it should be an extension service of Southern Mississippi. Yeah, the University of Southern Mississippi, which is my alma mater. Alma mater? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for undergrad, I went to the University of Southern Mississippi. And so, uh, yeah, we met up at our usual place, and we started talking about life. And I, we were talking about the podcast, and we were talking about how um, I went to my high school reunion and kind of the idea of like what is happiness and people had listened to my podcast some of them had some of them hadn't and the conversation of like what does it look like to be happy and I actually said how do you find happiness how do you get happy isn't that what I said I think the word get is what I what I heard yeah how do I get happy and you said the most amazing thing what did you say well when I first heard that I thought that sounds a lot like something that I would say to myself at times. And that's why it sounded interesting to me because I'm at a point now where to get happy sounds to me like a, um, an assignment or to-do list or something I have to accomplish. And that implicitly suggests that I might not do a very good job at, at accomplishing it. So a lot of what I read leads me to think that it's not something you get. Hmm. It's something that is already part of you. It may be clouded over or covered over by lots of layers, but it's more something to be as opposed to achieve. And that may just be for me, but so when I think of what can I do to get happy, um, I think that approaches it from the wrong perspective. So what's the difference between getting and being? I think it speaks to a recognition of that which is already true versus something that you have to perform or accomplish and then you will be. Um, and I think it takes a lot of stillness to even get close to understanding that. I'm going to 
mess up this quote. I won't even try to make it a quote, but so one of the um, one of the metaphors that I've come across recently about about being and life is this idea that we are all waves, mm -hmm. and really we have to get to the point where we recognize we're part of the ocean, mm -hmm. even though we're a unique wave. We're just we're part of the bigger ocean. Like a grander scale. Yeah, and then there's peace in that and recognizing that you're part of something far bigger than you can even put a name to. And it's like the quote this morning I mentioned that Rami Shapiro talks about, Micah's quote about, uh, to walk humbly before your God. Mm -hmm. The your is in italics. And I wondered why that was. And his explanation was, walk humbly before your name or understanding of God. Because... If you do so humbly, you're recognizing that your understanding of God is still not ultimately who God is. I love it because it's that idea of your, your God. It's the emphasis of where your is. Um, and, and it made me start thinking about how connected we all are and how sometimes we, because of our religions or because of our faiths or because of our life experiences, we think of ourselves so individual, like... This is my experience. This is my... And so it started making me think about this journey towards happiness for me. Is it really my journey? And even we just had that amazing Kickstarter where so many people kicked in money. And it really opened me up. And it's kind of caused me to pause for a while and made me be really um, overwhelmed by working on this project even because I realize it's not my journey. So I'm starting to see like the vastness of the ocean mm -hmm. and it's like I want to get it right because it's not just me trying to find happiness or trying to be happy but trying to help other people along and one of the things you and I talked about is that my editor uh recently said to me that uh they have this book that they want me to do and it's going to be 21 days to happiness and it's a challenge of learning how to be content but you know what it doesn't say happiness it says content do you think those two things are related no okay well Okay, I'm sorry. I made a cardinal rule violation where I thought I heard what you said before you finished saying it. Okay. I thought it was going to be, do you think they're the same? No, I think they're related, but I think you can be, one can be content, but at the same time wouldn't necessarily say that they're happy. Huh, really? Well, I think there's a difference. I think happy is, is a... Happy can be a transient emotion that could vary within a day or within a week or a month, but content could be a way of, you could be content by acknowledging that, okay, I'm not happy now, maybe because, but I know why, or maybe I don't know why, but I'm still content because, I'd have to think about this more, but I think content takes a bigger picture view of things, whereas happy might be more short-term. It feels like then contentment is really what I want. Because it sounds like to me, happiness can be fleeting. Contentment is the idea of like, okay, so today wasn't a good day, but I'm okay with where I'm at because I believe in the connectedness of all of this. And I think because my story hasn't gone the way I wanted it to, um, like that is why it was so hard to come home and come to this, you know, gathering where I knew... Um, that I was going to be the only person who never got married, or it felt like I was going to be. Turned out I pretty much was the only person that never got married and never had kids. 
And some people had just gotten married recently, which made me feel really good, too, because they're a year older than me, because I'm a year young for my grade. Um, so there were all these people who were in different stages, but I was so afraid of being in that space and having all those questions. And I was lucky in that one of my guy friends accompanied me to my reunion, and uh, he was fine with acting as if we were, you know, whatever, always together or however they wanted to see it, which was great. He was such a rock star to do that. But I think there is this, like, how can I even be content when life doesn't look the way I want it to? And I think there are so many areas where that's easy for me. I can be content with the way that, um, like, I'm not sure where I want to live right now, but I'm content in knowing that the next step I'm making is the right step. But um, I think, too, we have gotten so caught up in right. Like, is this the right job for me? Is this the right per what do you think about all that? I mean, you and I have talked about this hours on end over pub food at Dirty Nellie's, but what do you think about that? I think that I think that can be a trap for people, and, and my two oldest are going to be seniors in college at the University of Southern Mississippi, and I can remember when I was that age feeling sort of an implicit pressure to figure out what I was doing with my life, and there's no way you can figure that out. Right, that unless you feel like you've always been called to be a, a doctor or uh, a minister mm-hmm. or something where you know that you've got a lot of schooling ahead and you're committed to it. But when you're trying to figure out what the right decision is, I think you get set up for the stress of wondering if you've made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of an aside, but when you said right, I happen to come across... Um, Someone I'm sure you'll know, because I, but I was just introduced to her, um, A.J. Levine. No, I don't know A.J. Levine. Um, she is, uh, I think she's a professor of theology at Vanderbilt, perhaps. Anyway, she was doing an interview, and she was talking about, I think the, the source of the interview was what, what qualities of Judaism could help Christians, or something along those lines. And she made the point, which I thought was very interesting, that in... In Christianity, a lot of, well, let me back up. In Judaism, arguing is part of the point. Right. Right? It's that whole midrash. You're all part of the, mm-hmm. you're part of the flock, and arguing about what a scripture verse may mean or doesn't mean is part of it. In Christianity, sometimes we fall into the trap of deciding if you're in or out based upon what your view of a particular verse may be. And we're, we are so concerned about getting it right. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's a trap because if you don't agree, then you feel excluded. Or if someone else doesn't agree with you, then you're set up with this, well, do I not have it right? Or do they have it right? Whereas it's a much bigger picture. And she she ends that little segment by saying, if we all believed in our baptism, we would argue more (laughs) or something like that, which I thought was a great point that it's the discussion. It's the, it's the journey, Mm -hmm. you know, in our men's group that we have here, in Hattiesburg, we started a local chapter of a national organization. The opening paragraph talks about the Exodus story and how once freed from the shackles of the slavery that they were in, they were free to do what? Wander in a desert. <laughs> they didn't have a straight line shot to their ultimate destination, but that was the point, that the wandering is part of the process. So rather than being focused on getting it right, recognizing that it's the wandering that we're called to do and embrace that part as opposed to, 
I got to figure out how to get where I'm going and then I'll, then I'll be happy or then I'll be enlightened or then I'll be saved or then I'll be fulfilled. And that's that idea. I mean, it sounds, here's the Stoic version. No, here's the, the modern day version of the Stoic approach to life, I think, spoken well by Henry Standing Bear and Longmire. It is what it is. Yeah. I used to hate that expression, but... I uh, got my mom a sign that says that. Oh, really? It is what it is, because I say that all the time. Well, that's, in fact, I mean, I, I think I shared with you this morning the, my version of it, my prayer, which I fall short of living up to, but this is Epictetus. Seek not that the things which happen should happen as you wish, but wish the things which happen to be as they are and you will have a tranquil flow of life. I don't think there tranquil means happy so much as it means content. And I also don't think that he is saying, expect your day to go rotten so that when it happens, you're not disappointed. But more that however it goes, you're fine with. Because, and I, I fall into this trap all the time, if you have expectations for the day, for the month, the year, or you have memories of how a similar situation worked out in the past, and then the particular present moment you're in doesn't work out either based upon your expectations or the way that it worked out in the, back, in the past, then you spend a lot of energy not being present to the moment because you're either disappointed or stressed out and um, when I say you, I'm really talking to myself. <laughs> Me too. Um, so, so what I've done as of late is this is the way I like to try to start my day. I give thanks for the gift of opportunity that this day presents to not respond to the day's offerings with defensiveness, judgment, anger, or frustration, but simply be. To accept that which today provides as being commensurate with my will and expectations for the day. And I know that that's easier said than done. I mean, I think it's hard because I think some days I'm really good at that. But I think overall, it's really hard for me. You know, I think about how this all like smashes into like being voted most likely to succeed. Having all these expectations on my life that I didn't just have but other people had. And I feel like... I haven't lived up to those in my own <laughs> personal life. I've lived up to those maybe for people's career expectations for me in some ways. Maybe. Um, definitely not probably for like available, you know, able to live at a certain kind of pay scale or whatever that may be. But I've never thought that was success. More like ability to reach an audience or whatever it may be. But my personal life had so many expectations and as it feels like the door is closing on the opportunity for any of those to happen. I feel very much like I can accept so much, but I don't know how to like let go of that desire within me. Cause I know like a lot of Eastern religions and faiths believe like desire is the problem or expectation is the problem. Mm -hmm. So Buddhism, some other Eastern practices have this sense of like, if you don't have any wants and you can't be disappointed, I don't think that's what he's saying, but I think I don't know how to accept to really be honest about accepting where I'm at. I mean, I don't think I would have been as nervous to go to my high school reunion if I was capable to say, yeah, this is where I'm at, but this isn't where, the potential of this is not where I'm gonna be forever is there. I remember one time my best friend, she said to me, it was after like 
my last breakup that I was having a really tough time sort of saying, like, I don't know, I thought I was headed in the right direction, and I thought I was making all the right moves or, you know, trusting myself or being, and I said, I don't know even how to trust myself anymore or know if I'm, like, headed in the right direction or whatever it might be. And she said, um, you have to understand that your life could change in a minute. Like, Mr. Wright could come along and your life could change in a minute. And she said, for her, too, she's like, I have my kids and my husband, but that could change in a minute. So that can't be the source of your contentment or your joy. And she's like, it's not that I don't love my husband. I love him, and I can't imagine being single like you, but I also can't have that be the only place where I find that. And so, I don't know. It's I don't know how to do... I feel like anytime I've been good at being content, it, like, honestly, after leaving the... Did you hear what you just said? Good at being content? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime I've been content, <laughs> just been, um, it quickly turns into, I'm not able to sit in that place very long. And okay. I don't know how to do that. How come? You haven't been able to sit there. Uh, Did you not trust that feeling? I think I didn't trust that feeling. And then this great grief of disappointment comes washing in. Mm-hmm. That's real. You know, the... The grief of unmet expectation is real. So I don't know how to like sit with the both and the both being able to say it is what it is. I am where I am. And then also have a sense of like, but how can I change things so that life doesn't just happen to me? I'm also setting myself up to be in the places where this kind of stuff happens. So I don't know. Thoughts on that? That's hard, huh? Well, I know that the times between when we see each other sometimes are weeks or months, but I am always struck by how busy you are. And as I don't have that kind of a schedule, Mm -hmm. well, at least to do the kinds of things you do, I'm always struck by whether or not it would be beneficial. And again, this is totally uninformed on my part for you to not be as busy. Yeah. Um, I just wonder if a season of, of if I could even say this, uh, performance Sabbath, yeah. where you weren't, you're so powerful and engaging and, and the people who hear you get so much out of that, but how much of what you're giving is taking something out of you? Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mean that, that you can't, that you don't have anything to give. What I mean is maybe you need the season where you're not pulled in a lot of different directions, where you're not maybe unconsciously measuring your worth or success or, or even self-esteem by how many engagements you've had, but you're not even measuring anymore. There's no mm-hmm. more measuring. There's just Sarah alone with tenor and Mm -hmm. Sarah and the waves I think that's really hard for me because it's scary to think like um, because I don't have a personal life I mean I have friends but I don't have have kids that I'm taking care of I don't have a spouse that I'm taking care of the idea of like shutting it all off sounds incredibly isolating for someone who already feels so isolated let me ask you a question one of uh, one of Jordan Peterson's rules in his book 12 Rules for Life is treat yourself like you are someone 
you are responsible for taking care of. That's mm. not probably the exact title. <laughs> the point is that if you're caring for yourself like you would care for someone else, uh-huh. I guess that's, that's the question, is are you taking care of yourself the way you would care for someone else who you saw had a similar situation in terms of concerns or disappointments? Okay, so your question to me was whether I can treat myself with care. No, because I have more expectations of myself than I do for anyone else. And I always feel like because things come more naturally to me, my biggest fear is that people don't think I work hard enough. Why is that a fear? You know you do. You probably know you work too hard. <laughs> That's a great point. I don't know. Can I say something? You can, of course. So that, t- that tells me that it's a powerful influence, the views or expectations of, that others have of you. It's a pow- powerful influence on you. Yes, it's true. You know, I think that too, there's all these people in my life who I'll come to. I have a lot of folks that I kind of ask about what I'm doing or whatever. And I think pastors have this like weird fear that people think we don't work enough because it's hard to measure how we work. Well, it's Sunday, right? That's your day of work. That's the only day I work, yeah. What do you do Monday through Saturday? (laughs) A lot of writing and reading and talking to people and trying to organize people and keep the building up. I I know that. No, I know you know that. (laughs) Um, But I think we think the outside view of us is that we don't work a lot. Or we take particular pride in being workaholics, right? So like... So are you trying to prove that to people? I think I do. But it's also this, like, I don't know, this fear I have in me. And I realize that the next couple of months are going to be about me trying to figure out how to make space for me to be me and how to make space for me to have tough conversations with people where I say no to a lot of stuff. But there's all these honors and, you know, I just got asked to be a representative for an organization and all this sort of stuff. And... You kind of like let those things like you're excited about them. But I, I noticed even at the um, reunion that I was trying to like almost justify my existence. And then there was this moment where I was standing with my friend who went with me. Him and I are just like, we have been friends for so long. He was actually on my podcast recently, Logan, that like we can just be around each other and mm-hmm. laugh. And he knows me and he's known me forever. And, uh, this girl walked up and said, I just want to say out of all the people in our class, you are the one who inspires me the most. And your story is the most powerful to me. And I told everyone that you were the person I was looking forward to seeing the most. And it struck me, because her and I didn't really hang out in high school. I think we played soccer together. I think she played soccer with me. But she said, it's just your ability to inspire people. And I'm like, but how am I inspiring people? And, and she was kind of like, because you're real. And I think this journey that I'm on of trying to figure out how to be, I don't know, since talking to you today, I want to say that my journey isn't to find happiness, it's to find contentment. Mm-hmm. Um, because the people that I know that are the quote-unquote happiest are not the people that the best things have happened to. They're the people who just every day go, this is such a gift. I think you said it, uh, like every day, if I can just be grateful for that every day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, I think a lot of the really good things happen to those people. You just showed me a quote, and I think whether we manifest things or not. Oh, I can't. It's not. My thumbprint doesn't open your phone. Oh, it should. It should. The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. And I think my thoughts have been really self-defeating or I'm not enough or if I can just do this one thing, then I'll be able to like, move forward. So like I was sharing with you earlier, I have a really big presentation the day after tomorrow in front of thousands of people and I haven't been able to prepare in the way that I wanted to just because I literally can't sit down and do it. Like my brain is too cluttered with this book, this working on a podcast, all this stuff. And um, you said, do you ever feel like you're prepared enough? And my answer was, no, I never do. And yet something good always comes out of it. So it's almost the trusting, right, of like uh, what you bring to the table is enough for the people in the room. Mm-hmm. And you're enough even, with, even without your production or your performance or that I don't know how to like put that in my head. I love your idea of starting the day with like a prayer like that. And you just wrote that using... Well, I have to give props to uh, Epictetus and um, I guess Marcus Aurelius. I mean, that was my version of what I thought they were trying to say in a couple quotes that I read. I love it. Um, but back to the, are you ever prepared? I, I wonder though if, so there's the idea of getting to the point where you accept that you may never feel like you're prepared, but it's going to be enough. Mm. But, but I guess what I wonder is, back to this idea of a, of a Sabbath from your production, uh-huh. in quotes. what if you had a period of time where you didn't have anything you needed to prepare for? Because I think it's getting, I think those are two different things. One is getting to where you can accept that you'll never feel like you're, you're prepared enough according to your standards, but... And if you're okay with that, then I guess that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if that's, I think, I still wonder about the wisdom of maybe not being so spread out and trying to meet all these different obligations if it ends up that you're not caring for yourself during that time. Yeah. You know, I think one of the big moves I'm making is in the next couple of weeks, I'm moving to the city where I work. So I no longer have a half an hour commute to and from my house. That's huge. It is. And it's really hard and it's really painful. And it's because at my first house I ever bought, I'm going to move out of. I'm moving into a 700 square foot apartment type situation. I mean, it's an old school apartment, so it's not It's not like being, being in a big complex again. But, you know, you never really want to move back to an apartment. But at the same time, to be in the neighborhood I want to be in and to be able to do what I want to do and just come home and not have to like constantly be going back and forth is something that I'm so looking forward to. And I think about taking this season of like slowing down, you know, I'm supposed to go on sabbatical for a little while and I, or what's called a renewal leave. And I can't seem to bring myself to ask the district superintendent why he hasn't made that happen. And I think part of it is, I'm afraid I'll cease to exist if I take the time off. Um, but it, I think I need it, and I, the idea of just taking time off, not to go on vacation, not to write, 
because I've taken time off before to just go right. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead, just to be like 100% present to what's around me and, and to trying to, again, but trying to, striving to isn't helpful, but maybe just to be um, and set a healthy rhythm. It sounds delightful. <laughs> I think that's very perceptive, the way you phrased that, that you're not sure you want to ask because you're afraid you would cease to exist, which, I mean, that makes me think that a lot of, a lot of what you're doing is to sort of, my words, Mm-hmm. justify your presence here. Oh, uh, and, 100%. And you, and you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I have to brag about all I've done or I need to, like, to present a resume to everyone. So it's not like a justification where I'm like, hey, hey, here's how great I am. But it's more like, if someone were to Google me, would they figure out that I should be around or my voice matters or whatever? But yeah. that's like a... I forget, I think it's even Tim Ferriss or someone I was reading recently said that like, actually it was something I read in a Brene Brown book. If you start your day with the sense of not enough, so I'm not enough, I didn't get enough sleep, this day is already going bad. Like you're already in a scarcity and an abundance attitude is like, no, like I'm more than enough. So like me just showing up is great. Um, But I don't know if I'll ever get there. I want to. So... In my reading, somewhere along the way, I read a quote by Abraham Joshua Heschel. Mm-hmm. I, I think he had had a heart attack, and he was in the hospital with a friend of his, and they weren't quite sure if he was going to make it, and I may have the, the facts of this wrong, but as they were talking, he said something along the lines of, um, I didn't ask God for wealth or fame or power. I asked for wonder. And he gave it to me. That sticks with me because what that says is if you start your day going to back to what you were saying, if you start your day off by asking maybe for wonder, which living in Southern California, the beach and the mountains, mm-hmm. there's all sorts of places where you can be, where you can have that moment where you just don't want to speak. You just want to take in that view. If that's what you're open to is wonder, then it's all around you. All the other stuff is externals that you may or may not get, but if you're so attached to getting them and you don't get them, then you, all of us, we've set ourselves up for disappointment. We're always going to be filled with wonder if we're open to that. Yeah. That's why I love my office view. I see wonder all the time, which is wonderful. Because you're a pilot, and one of my favorite things when I get together is you show me the amazing things you see out here which is really helpful for me as someone who is flight phobic. <laughs> but I was actually, it's so funny when you said that, I was thinking about I'm flying tomorrow and what would it look like to one, like look around when I'm flying over and have a sense of like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, sure, there will be a thousand, thousands of people who are going to listen to what I say, but more than that, look at what's around. And Well, and think you're in a plane 30 to 35,000 feet above land in the air around the planet Earth, which is one of nine planets, or eight, depending upon the argument, in this solar system, in this galaxy, of which there are hundreds of millions, within which are hundreds of millions of stars. I mean, it gets to the point where you just can't even imagine all of that. And when you try to imagine that, it makes you think that when the traffic from the airport is really awful, 
or when the day didn't go quite right. It, I mean, really, is that a big deal? Not in the no. grand magnitude of things. But I'm I'm with you. It's hard to it's hard to to zoom back out and look at the bigger picture when you're in the midst of when you have the stress blinders on. Well, and I think that's why it's a good idea to get rid of the stress blinders. So as we're speaking, a blue jay that is the most vibrant blue I have ever seen is in the tree right there. And I think that's a sign. Well, thank you for all the times that you just meet up with me and we go and have either a glass of wine at Dirty Nelly's or we go and just chat because I just so appreciate having someone who has a different view of life and is so well-read, whether you believe you are or not, and just has lived so many different lives um, from cheerleader in college to dad of twins and uh, to, you know, being a nurse and a pilot and all over the place. And I just love your perspective on things. So I'm really glad that we got to hang out. Well, I am too. And I hope when I grow up, I'll figure it all out. (laughs) Well, good luck. I know I'm not going to. So I have a question for you. When I was in high school, what did you guys think I would do with my life? I had no idea. That's your answer? <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> did you it's th- the truth. Did you think I would survive? Oh, absolutely. You're a survivor. <laughs> I knew you'd survive, but I, I didn't know exactly what you'd do. I thought you would prosper, but I didn't know in what. Okay, so you thought I would prosper. Did you think I'd be married and have kids? Didn't know, but I would hope if that's part of a good life, then yes. (laughs) You're really bad at this. (laughs) Well, I mean, but I had a boyfriend for three and a half years. You did? I think the anticipation was that you would get married and have kids. But I don't think there was ever, you know, I I wasn't holding my breath and waiting for it. I wanted you to have a Stop life making that. noise, Dad. <laughs> I wanted you to have Don't rub your feet together. <laughs> what are you doing? I have ant bites. <laughs> you would be awful on the radio. Thank you. <laughs> Do we want to start this again? <laughs> okay, so these are my parents. Hi. <laughs> That's my dad. Most people call him Dr. Bob. This is my mom, Chris. Hi. Hi. You've heard from Chris before. She's great. Dad's great, too. He's just (laughs) uncontrollable. So my question was, did you think I would, like, you didn't have any idea? Like, most people, when they, like, have kids, have, like, visions of their life. You guys had nothing. No. No, I think it's an open slate to go whichever direction you wanted to go or whatever, however life worked out. So I could have gone. I don't think, you know, we wanted you to be a doctor or a minister or a lawyer or anything like that. You don't? No. <laughs> I think we gave you an open slate. I don't think you did. You would have been so frustrated had I tried to go into acting. No. You told me it was a great hobby. It is. <laughs> but there's a lot of actors waiting tables. Exactly. So whether or not you knew it, you were definitely telling me that wasn't a career for me. No, I don't think that's true. I think it was, if you went into it, you would have to know the reality of, of what it's like to try and make it in acting, which is very difficult. 
I think everything I've ever done was very difficult. Yeah. What about you? So you really didn't have any visions of what I would be like? Well, I think I hoped that you would, you know, have just for you, not that you have. For some, some people live for the grandchildren and they wait for, for the grandchildren. And I have loved the two grandchildren that I have. Very my much. brother has two grandkids. Well, my uh, brother has two children. It wasn't necessarily, it was for you to have fulfillment, if that's where your fulfillment would be. But you don't have to, to have a good life and a fulfilled life. It's true. I think I was scared to go to the reunion because I knew I was going to be the only one who hadn't at some point been married, which was actually kind of true. <laughs> I really was. Well, I thought it was funny when you were trying to think up a backstory about you know, the recent <laughs> divorce and that the kids were taken by the, the other part. Well, I thought it would be easier than be like, yeah, no, I just never got married. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was glad that I had a friend to go with me that has known me through all of this. But it definitely was intimidating to walk into the room and, like, so many people have stayed around the area and they're married and have kids. And, well, I guess I was just trying to figure out, did you guys go to your high school reunions? I went to one, but it was more of a 75th school anniversary than an actual class reunion, per se. There was one at O'Connor, and nobody told me about it. <laughs> it's not so I don't know what that means. And we just went to my medical school reading. Right. When did you do that? Uh, th three years, two years ago. Two years ago. 2016. Was it enjoyable? It was kind of fun to see the folks again and see what they're up to and, you know, see friends again that we hadn't seen for a while. We enjoyed the visit to Toronto and seeing the, how the universities changed and what was there and available. It's just, it's interesting. Some good, some bad, you know, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Do you think it's important to look back at your past? I think for the people in the past. Yes. I'm looking forward to a, a nursing reunion, and I am looking forward to seeing the people who were very important in my life at that time. Well, I'm glad to be home and be with you guys. We're glad to have you here. Yes, we have. It's been, it's been a sh very sh short but fun. As I record the closing of this episode, you can probably hear the crickets in the back. I'm at my parents' house in southern Mississippi, and I'm packing to get ready to go and on to a new adventure. I'm speaking in Kansas this week. There's a lot of sadness for me about leaving. I was nervous about coming for my reunion, but it was totally worth it, and I'm so glad I did it, and I don't know all the lessons that I'll take away from it. I'm really grateful for my conversation with Brian he always just gives me so much to think about. The idea that being present to the moment really requires uh, just an ability to be okay with exactly where you are. Um, so helpful. Love talking to my parents. They always make me laugh. I think it's getting harder and harder to leave. And yet, I know that this is not my home. Next episode, we're gonna dive into a little bit about one of the big changes I'm making, which is that I'm moving. Don't worry, <laughs> friends that go to my church. I'm not moving very far, but I am moving to an area that I love a lot. So until next episode, 
Thanks so much for listening and good luck finding your bliss. Sandra Less, the podcast is hosted by me, Sarah Heath. This episode was edited and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio. To find out more about them, visit cmstudio.co. Sonderless website was created by Alex Maldonado. The theme song was written and performed by Daniel Roberts. You can visit us anytime at sonderlessthepodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates and exclusive content. If you like the show, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Most importantly, leave a review. It's a great way to spread the word and help people find the show. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and keep looking for your bliss.